Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, God is good. I, I want to tell you a story. And good morning, everybody. Uh, <coughs> I heard a preacher tell a story just a couple of weeks ago, and he was a visiting preacher to a particular church, and uh, he said, hopefully you haven't heard this story before. Uh, I was just thinking, have anybody told this in the last few weeks? I don't think so. Um, and uh, he was just a visiting preacher, and he said um, uh, he was invited for a cup of coffee afterwards or supper at somebody's place, and um, they put their best china out and spoons and everything like that for the preacher, and it was good. And then after he'd gone, the wife said, I think the preacher stole one of our spoons, a really nice spoon. I think the preacher stole it. And because she couldn't find it anywhere. She looked all over the place for weeks, for months. She looked and looked and looked and couldn't find the spoon. So she couldn't find the spoon anywhere. Uh, uh, anywhere. About a year later, he came back again as a visiting preacher and they had him over for tea and um, said to him, uh, you know when you were visiting last time, uh, we lost a spoon, one of our lovely expensive spoons. He said, oh yes, I remember. He said, I left it in your Bible. I left it in your Bible. I left it in your Bible. I hadn't opened the Bible for a whole year. The sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. The sword or the microphone of Malcolm. The microphone of Malcolm. It's what the Spirit holds in his hand is the sword of the Spirit. It's what he uses to convict people. If you don't know the word, how can the Lord have the sword? How can the Holy Spirit have the sword of the Spirit in your hand, as it were? The sword of the Spirit. If you're going to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, who came on the day of Pentecost, filled us, etc., etc., with the love of God shed abroad in our heart, that we will share the gospel with people. If you, if you don't actually have the word of God in your heart, in your mind, in your life, if it's not your pathway you walk along, if it's not the life you live, if it's not the truth you believe, if the word of God is not that, how can the Holy Spirit use what's coming out of your mouth, what actions you're taking, your attitudes, your responses to people? You follow what I mean? And unless you've got the word of God. And, uh, oh yes, I left the spoon in your Bible says volumes, says volumes. We're talking about cost um, uh, this week. Cost, what, to be a Christian, cost to um, uh, talk for God, speak up for God. Um, but do you know there's cost in life anyway? You see, Cain, uh, um, Adam and Eve sinned, and the cost was they lost paradise. You see, th th there's a cost for sinners and saints, which it depends which cost you want to pay. Depends what cost you want to pay. Now, Adam and Eve sinned against God and they lost paradise. Their children lost paradise. You follow what I mean? They lost so much. What was the cost to them for their sin? It was enormous. Abel wanted to do things God's way. Cain didn't like it. So Cain killed Abel. Cain killed Abel because Abel wanted to do things God's way. Adam and Eve wanted to do things their way. 
the devil's way, their way. And so we have a choice. <clears throat> but whichever choice you make, it will cost you. It's going to cost you. Are you willing to pay the price of sin or pay the price of righteousness? I thank God that by his grace, I have found Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Nearly 60 years ago, I came into Christ. I was saved. I was healed. I was set free. The blind eyes were opened. And I could understand and see. You know, I, I was down at Teen Challenge during the week talking to our students. And um, uh, I reminded them of the snare of the fowler in, in um, what's it, Psalm 91. Uh, the snare of the fowler. Do you know what the snare of the fowler is? That's, that's the trap the devil sets for us to trap us. It's going to cost us. He trapped Adam and Eve. He traps the vast majority of people. It's the trap. The snare of the fowler. What the fowler would do, he would set a net over a trap. And underneath that net, he would put a, a bird that he'd captured. And he'd tied the bird's feet together so it couldn't run away. He tied its wings together so it couldn't fly. And he'd stitched its eyes closed so it couldn't see. Stitched its eyes closed. And he'd put the bird under the net. Snare of the fowler. And listen, and the other birds would hear the plaintive cry of the trapped bird. The cry. And they would come and investigate and the snare would be pulled and another bird would be trapped and possibly eaten, devoured or used to trap more birds or whatever. The snare of the fowler. But Jesus came to set us free from these things. Jesus came to set us free and there is a cost for rescuing people. There's a cost if you live in sin there's a cost if you live in righteousness. There's a cost if you're going to go out and preach the gospel. If you want to rescue the perishing and care for the dying, there is a cost. To give people the second chance, to help them put their lives back together again, there's a cost. So to follow Jesus, as I said, uh, Abel followed Jesus and there was a cost. But for our salvation there was a cost. To God. For God so loved the world. So what, what is the motivating force that will make us lay down our life for others? To give others the second chance. What is the motivating force? It's love. You see, if we look at the cost, we won't do it. We just won't do it. Why would I go and do this, this and this and this? Well, you know, if we just look at the cost, we won't do it. God said to me uh, 35 years ago next year, uh, I want you to leave Sydney, go to Perth. Here's $149 and some cents. $149 and some cents. Go and rescue drug addicts. And young people have lost their way, who've got their eyes stitched up, who've got their feet tied together, who've got their wings tied together. Go and open their eyes put eye salve on them so they can see go and set them free their wings so they can soar mount up as wings of evils 
Go and loosen their feet so they can walk my pathway, that my word will be a lamp and a light unto their feet and to their path. And you think, well, but why would, I, why would I do that? Why? Why would I do that? The love of God compels us, the Scripture says. The love of God compels us. We just can't help ourselves. I'm terribly sorry. God's done so much in our lives, but his love makes us do things that we would not normally do. Like God wants to make you successful. <laughs> normally you wouldn't be successful. You know, the Bible says I'm wonderful. I'm terribly sorry I'm wonderful. It's not my fault. It's Jesus' fault. Blame him. I just can't help it. I'm terribly sorry. I'm wonderful. I, I can't help my wife doesn't think I am at times. <laughs> I'm terribly sorry. I just can't help it. I'm wonderful. It's not my fault. It's Jesus' fault. Why am I here? Is it my fault or is it Jesus' fault? It's his fault that I'm here talking to you this morning. Blame him. Don't blame me. But you will. <laughs> You'll judge everything that comes out of my mouth, hopefully. That is the word of God. But the love of God compels us beyond the cost. Beyond the cost. For God so loved the world. And what does love compel us to do? Love compels us to give our very best. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved, he couldn't help himself as it were, as it were. A and I don't understand a lot of things about God. It's a bit above my pay way, my wage, pay, pay, wage, whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's above my uh, understanding, revelation at this time. But God was compelled by love and he gave his very best, as we do in the ministry, our very best, God sent his son. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Who did he give his son to? He gave his son to the very worst. He gave his son to the very worst. He gave his son for me, for you, for those who are still sinners. And while we were sinners, he gave his very best to the very worst. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes should not perish. We deserved to perish. We were so bad that we deserved to perish for what we'd done, our sin. We deserve to perish. For God so loved the world, he gave his very best to the very worst, that they may have life and life more abundantly. Life that we may have the very best. His love compelled him to give the very best that he had to the very worst that we can have the greatest. That we could have life and life more abundant in time and eternity. The, the whole gospel's there in John 3.16. That the whole range of the cost. You see, cost God to come and rescue us and we think that when we're serving him... Oh, 
I'm giving so much. It hurts so much. Oh, they said this about me and they said that about me. Who cares? You know, who cares, you know? You know I, I could tell you some of the things they said about me. And, um, you know, but praise God, I don't care. I just love them. I just love them and do the very best I can for them. I, 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 I deal with little drug addicts, little rotters. They lie, they cheat, they steal, they manipulate. Their parents are just as bad as they are, mostly. Where's Greg? Sorry, Greg. <laughs> there he is, etc., <laughs> etc. Et but, um, <coughs> you know, anything to get their kid into Teen Challenge and out of their house. <laughs> you know, anything to move the problem on so it's not their problem anymore and... Um, uh, and they don't blame Teen Challenge for anything that goes wrong in their life after that, you know. And um, so we don't, we just love them just the same. We love the parents, we love the kid, um, uh, we love, uh, we don't necessarily love what they do, but we love them. Very important to understand the difference of what people do and loving the person and not their action. See, Jesus was very clear on that. He was very clear that it's not the action that people have, but he loves the person, not what they do. And we love people. And so the love of God compels us to go with the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, the Gospel, that they will not hide the Gospel under something else. Even Christians will not hide the Word of God because to speak the Word, to be identified with Jesus, to speak out like Abel may cost you your life, may cost you everything, may not be really work out well for you. And so you've got to work out... <coughs> What is it that you're willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to sacrifice to, to purchase something of value that is of more value than the thing you're willing to sacrifice? So if you're going to sacrifice something, the thing you gain, is it greater than the thing you're sacrificing? The cost of the gain is greater than the cost of the, the loss or the giving. I mean, we know the scriptures, uh, pearl of great price, etc., or the treasure in the field, etc., uh, etc. Et <coughs> but what are you willing to give? What have you given? Have you given anything? I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about your time, your energy, your heart, your life. But mostly, what am I talking about? Mostly, I'm talking about you standing up for Jesus and his word. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your your money, your house, your clothing, your health, your, your rest of it, that's a given that you're going to give that. Or that will be the cost. <laughs> that's gonna, but it's, it's the value of what you are going to get in return. You are going to live, preach, teach um, the Word of God. You're going to be a spokesperson for Jesus. And it's going to cost you. It cost Abel. Cain killed him. But lots of people know that Abel. They know about Abel. 
The scripture says, Jesus said that, that, that his blood speaks better things. The blood of Abel speaks better things. The blood of Abel. I mean, he's in the Bible and then he's gone. But yet, he, I'm speaking about him this morning. He, he speaks so much to us. We understand so much. It cost him. But he stood up for the word of God. He stood up for God when he needed to. And his brother killed him. Adam and Eve didn't stand up for God. They decided that they would do things their way. That they would do things their way. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I can do it my way. You see, they had the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the tree where people decide what is good and what is evil. Or oh, they said that, they said that, or oh, they meant that, or, oh, 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 oh. you know, that's bad, that's good, that's good, that's bad. People decide what is good and what is bad, what is evil, what is good and what is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, God had set his standard, don't eat of that tree, eat of this tree, eat of this tree. This is the tree, the tree of life, the tree of life. Now, the tree of life appears again in the scripture, not only in Genesis, but it appears in the Gospels. And all the way through the New Testament, it's the tree of Jesus who hung on a tree. The tree of life in the Garden of Eden would have been beautiful, magnificent, outstanding, the tree of life. In all its beauty in paradise, in the Garden of Eden. The next tree of life was a naked man, smashed, broken, beyond human recognition almost. Marred more than any man. Hanging on a tree, on a cross, on a hill that looked like a skull. I've been to Jerusalem and I went to the bus station down there. I was getting the bus down to Bethlehem, would you believe? And um, I'm going to Bethlehem, not on a donkey, on a bus. And, um, <coughs> and I looked up and there, there was the, a place that looked like a, a mountaintop that had two caves and three caves. And, and it looked like a skull. And they said that's, the, that's where Jesus was crucified. Got lots of places they tell you that and where he was buried and everything else. And... Um, But they, we actually have to understand that it's gonna, it is going to cost us. I've lost my plot now. I go down too many alleyways, and etc., uh, etc. Et um, and uh, where was I? I was talking about. You don't ask you. Sorry. The tree of life. The tree of life. Adam and Eve. That's the idea. Somebody was listening. Thank you. The tree. The tree of life. The. Uh, <coughs> in the Garden of Eden. You see, they had the opportunity, and we have the opportunity today, with the Tree of Life, to actually make it our own standard. We'll say the Tree of Life is now this and this and this. The knowledge of good and evil. No, not the Tree of Life, sorry. The, knowledge, the Tree of the Knowledge of Good and Evil. The no Tree of the Knowledge of Good and Evil is this. This is what's called evil today. You see, um, abortion is not called evil today. It's necessary, but it's killing. 
euthanasia is not called murder or killing anymore. Um, to say somebody is homosexual uh, or lesbian or something like that is homophobic. You see, today, our, what is good and what is evil, it is evil to say those things. It's evil. It's not the tree of life. And so we actually base everything now on feelings and not on truth. Things are based on feelings and not on truth. Or you hurt their feelings so you can't say that. But we need to dig deeper in through the word of God. So if I sort of say, what this person is doing is wrong, I love the person, it's like saying a murderer um, isn't doing any wrong. They felt to murder this person at that time, their feelings. So if I need to murder a baby before it's born or an older person before they're dead, I'll do it, but it's all to do with feelings. It's all to do with feelings. It's not to, to do with truth anymore and reality and God's truth, and the tree of life. And there will be a cost. There will be, there will be a cost. There will be a cost. But we stand up for Jesus, and Israel Folau, you, can, you see it on the TV all the time, you know what I'm talking about, etc., etc. <coughs> it's not too hard to figure out that when you stand up for Jesus, it's going to cost you. If you're going to stand up for the word of God, you see, they say he's homophobic, he's uh, against this person. They, they don't forget, they forget all the list of the other people <laughs> or lifestyles or, or uh, people that are doing things wrong. Um, they forget all about that. They just pick on this one and they say he's homophobic. Well, that means Jesus is too, whether we like it or not. Because he's the one who said, this will hurt you. He said to Adam and Eve in the garden, and he's saying to Australia today, he's saying to you today, if you do this, this will hurt you, your family, your society. It will cost you. And you'll lose out. And you'll miss out. It'll cost you. Are you willing to pay the, the cost? You'll come to the stage where the, the world and Australians will, will want to hide in caves and call mountains and rocks on top of them because of what they're actually doing and bringing, there will be a cost. There will be a cost. And they'll cry out to God to save them, but not from their sin, but to save their feelings. Because I'm hurting. Well, the sword of the Spirit brings conviction out of love. When you speak to somebody and say to somebody, you have sinned, they're going to be offended. They're going to be hurt. They're going to be, I haven't sinned. But you're going to get beaten up as well because you're a do-gooder. You're a do-gooder. You know, you talk like that, you're hurting my feelings. You're hurting my feelings. But you know, people and nations, families that get away from God, there's a path that they will follow. There's a path. 
It's in the book of Revelations, called the Apocrypha. Apocrypha, it means actually revelation. And so the book of the Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ and his church and the Jews in the last days. It's the revelation. It's of what's going to happen. And Jesus makes it very clear the cost the world will pay, like Adam and Eve lost paradise, the world will lose its planet. It makes it very clear when it talks about the four horsemen. The four horsemen. The first horseman, the first horse, uh, uh, was a guy on a white horse. He had a bow but no arrows. He was like a politician. He was like... Uh, uh, he was a force, he was a powerful force in the world. He represented the devil. But all the hordes that are under his control. And then the second horse that followed, uh, the second horse uh, brought um, uh, disease, pain and suffering or disease. So the first horse brings war. First horse bring, brings war. First horse brings war, war. The second horse, because of war, brings disease, famine, and all that sort of stuff. And the, the horses, uh, and uh, so you've got, uh, you've, got the you've got the white horse, you've got the famine, uh, then you, you have the... Um, uh, the pain and the suffering, and then the last horse brings death. The last horse brings death and loss. And so the four horses there of the Apocrypha speak about the future of the world. The and its cost of doing things their way. The, the, the world today is no different than Adam and Eve talking about, but I don't want God's order I don't want God's truth. I don't want God's reality. The truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. I don't want that. I don't want that. Philippians tells us that Paul says in Philippians uh, chapter 1, verse 20, it tells us, uh, and 21, according to my earnest expectations and my hope that I in nothing, I shall be ashamed. So Paul's saying that I hope that I'll never be ashamed of standing up for the gospel. I will never back down. I will never repent. But that with all boldness, as always, so now also in Christ, that he will be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death by life or by death, by life or by death. Your choice. Are you going to stand up for Jesus? The way they do things today is if you, if you hurt somebody's feelings, you're a bully because you tell them the soul that sins that you'll surely die. You're a bully. They will tell your employer you'll get the sack. That's just the way it works. That's the way they do things. Let me read you something from the scripture to finish. Some more from the scripture. This is from Acts 5, verse 17. Then the high priest rose up 
and all those that were with him, in brackets, which is the sect of the Sanhedrins, and they were filled with indignation. They were filled with indignation. The Sadducees. Now, you've got the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, the, the Sadducees were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. <laughs> they didn't believe in the resurrection. And, of course, the apostles were going around talking about Jesus coming back to life. But the Sadducees were so sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. Anyway, and they laid hands upon the apostles and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors. Aha. So we've got an ally. We've got an ally in God who watches over everything we do, everything we say, everything we think, our heart. He looks in our heart. He looks in our heart. And brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. This was directly opposite to what the high priest or religious people had told him to do. The complete opposite to what the powerful forces of the day told him. This was the complete opposite, the direct opposite. He said, Speak the word. Talk about it eternal life to dying men go stand and speak in the temple to the people or the words of this life go and speak to them about the tree of life go and speak to them about Jesus he defeated death God loved you so much that he gave his very best you being the very worst that you can have the greatest life in time and eternity go and speak go and tell the people go and tell them and when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came and they who were with him and called the council together, the whole of the Sanhedrin and all the senate of the children of Israel um, and sent to the prison to have the apostles brought to them. They didn't know that the angel led them out. <laughs> they didn't know God had performed a miracle on their behalf. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told the high priest and the Sanhedrin, saying the prison was truly found to be shut and all safe. You know, there was no problems here. And the keeper standing out by the door and watching the doors. And when we opened, we found no man in the prison. Because the angel had let him out. The angel had let him out. And when the high priest and the captains of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, imagine the surprise. <laughs> you're there with all your little mates and, uh, <clears throat> and the people you've locked up and you're all powerful and all the rest of it. And all of a sudden, the, these nobodies, these fishermen, have all <laughs> been let out of prison. And um, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. So the high priest and all his mates, the only thing they thought about was themselves. Oh, what will happen to me? What will the people think about this? What, they, they, see, it was about their feelings, their thoughts, their perceptions about what was happening. Um, they came... Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple 
and teaching the people. That's what the angel told him to go and do. Go and tell dead men who are walking that Jesus loves them, that what they're doing is sin and they're cut off from God. But Jesus died and rose again and washed you clean. He was the very best that God had to offer for your very worst, that you may have the very best. They were in the temple doing exactly what they'd been told to do, obeying what the angels said. Then went the captain of the officers and brought them un unto, without violence, unto the high priest. For they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. You know, they feared the people. Now, this is one of the greatest fears you're going to have to overcome. We at Teen Challenge, we get persecuted by governments and people and because we preach the gospel. We're known as a Christian Christian. We're, agencies are actually told not to send people to Teen Challenge because it's Christian. So there's persecution. And uh, they feared they're going to be stoned, the people who brought them to the high priest. It's a pity they didn't fear the God who sent an angel to set them free so they go and preach the word. Pity they didn't fear the God who we deal with, who we are servants of. They didn't fear them, they just feared the people. They feared what was in the press. They feared what was on the television. They feared what the people were saying. They feared. For they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. And so they'll do things by feelings. And when they had brought them and set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did, did we not straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with this doctrine. Well, the high priest is acknowledging their success. <laughs> He's saying, <coughs> and it wasn't a doctrine. You see, the apostles wasn't bringing a doctrine. They were bringing an eyewitness account of what happened. Your testimony, your testimony. Is it an eyewitness account of your meeting with God? Your circumstances before when you met God, how he changed you? When you share the gospel to people, is it an eyewitness account or is it just a doctrine? It's an eyewitness account. But he says you filled it with your doctrine. Not a doctrine at all. This is what they've seen. This is what they experienced. This is what they'd lived. They knew what they were talking about. They were eyewitnesses. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. The high priest is saying to the... These are the chappies who just a little while ago said, let his blood be upon us and our children. And now they're complaining that the people are saying, you killed him. You killed Jesus. But they said when they were crucifying him, when they were all powerful. One minute you're the peacock and the next you're the feather duster. When they were the peacock, man, oh, let his blood be upon us and our children. I've oh, crucified him, crucified him. And he'd risen from the dead. He defeated our last enemy and all our enemies. He defeated all our enemies. And then they're saying, oh, you're blaming us for his death. They were the ones who said, let his blood be upon us and upon our children. Then Peter 
And the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. So their response was, we're here to obey God, not man. Not religious doctrine, etc., etc. We ought to obey God rather than man. Intelligent truth. Speaking the truth in love, the scripture says. Speak the truth in love. And there's a whole sermon there. It's the golden rule. It's us speaking the truth in love. That's the golden rule. See, truth is the greatest thing you will ever get. The greatest understanding, that's the, that's the pearl of great price, is the truth. The truth will set you free. The truth, the truth, the truth. This is the truth. No, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to hurt your feelings because I love you. But because I do love you, I'm going beyond your feelings to the truth. The truth is this. This is the tree of life. But you can have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and say what is good and what is evil to whatever generation you want. In their generation, it was you do what we tell you to do. Don't bring new doctrine in. But they were just eyewitnesses. We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hung on a tree. Him has God exalted to his right hand to be a prince and a saviour. To be a prince. He's the, the prince. He's our prince. We are the bride of Christ. He is our prince. And he's our saviour. He's a prince and a saviour. He's a prince to Israel. And he's the saviour of Israel. If they don't know the Messiah, if only they turn to him. To be a prince and a saviour. For to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins to all. And we are his witnesses. Witnesses of these things. We are his witnesses of these things. And so it is also the Holy Spirit with whom God has given them who obey him. When they heard this, they were cut to their hearts and they took counsel how to slay them, how to kill them. The simple truth, eyewitness truth, and the order of the day, of the leaders of the day, was let's kill them. Let's kill them. Just for simply telling the truth. How important is the truth to you? To give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. You see, it says, He gave His only begotten Son. He gave repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. He gave. He gave. Young people who come to Teen Challenge, in a sense, there's no cost. There may be a cost to us as Christians, the great donation that comes from the church here. There may be a cost, but to them, 
There's no cost. She repentance, the gospel. He gave. He gave. No cost. It didn't say they had to pay. There's no indulgences here. There's no indulgences here. This is free. This is free. And they planned to kill him because of it. They planned to kill him. I had a dream and a vision. Don't know what it was. I can't remember if I was standing up, lying down, whatever it was. But God took me. And I suppose in my many years of walking with God, which is just a vapor of smoke in the realm of God, um, <clears throat> I've had seven or eight different visions or times where God has shown me something. And I finish with this. The And I, 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 I walked past the cross. I could see Jesus on the cross. His death and my forgiveness, free of cost, no charge, free. Then I came to a tomb and it was empty. The empty tomb, the resurrection, the power of God. And then God took me slowly up a slope. And as I rose, I went, left the earth and I went into heaven. And in heaven I could see Jesus on a throne. I could see Jesus on a throne. He was ruling with authority on a throne. All power is given unto me. The scripture says, all power. That means everything else underneath is delegated from God. You think you've got power? You haven't. You may think you've got this, that and the other. All power is given unto me. The devil has delegated power. Armies have delegated power. Uh, governments have delegated power. But God leaves us our freedom. Again, above my pay rate. It's a bit hard to understand sometimes that when we get to heaven, we'll still be free, but we'll be sealed in God, not to backslide. And so I saw Jesus. And as I got closer to Jesus sitting on his throne with all authority, I began to dissolve, as it were, and enter into Jesus on the cross, on the throne. Not on the cross, on the throne. And as I dissolved I went into Jesus and as I was in Christ on his throne ruling with him in Christ his body his bride whatever whichever terminology as I looked I could see what Jesus could see I could hear what Jesus could hear I could feel what Jesus could feel and I didn't see or hear or feel what I thought I would it was different. It, it, this wasn't what I was expecting. I thought I would see the glory, the power, the effulgence. But as I looked through Jesus' eyes, listened and heard and watched, I could see a cloud. And it was a cloud above the earth. And from the cloud came lightning and thunder that was hitting the earth. And great storm and pain and darkness was over the earth and I could see what Jesus could see and I looked and I wondered what does this all mean Jesus what does this mean what are you seeing what can you see what are you showing me but as I never got an answer I never got an answer 
But I had a sense that this massive storm on the earth, I was already on the other side. I was aware, I sensed, I knew, I understood that already I was on the other side of the storm. I was on the other side. Now I've tried to interpret it many times in my mind and I can figure out the obvious. <laughs> but, you know, I'm expecting the storm to get thinner. I'm expecting to soar over it. Or in Jesus, is it Jesus for the joy set before him endured the cross and passed through the storm that we don't have to pass through it? What does it all mean? I don't know. But my pay grade. I got it right. But my pay grade. But the love of God compels me to go to bring the best, Jesus, to the worst, that they may have the best. Father God, we just bless you for your goodness and your kindness and, and your wonderfulness to us, Father. The revelation of your word and your Holy Spirit. Almighty God, we thank you for your love and kindness in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. Thank you.